All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Beebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to season six, episode nine. A very nice, nice. monumental episode of Daily Faceoff Podcast nice, presented to you by our friends at oddshark.com. I'm your host, Brock Segan. We've got Dylan D. Bursey, Michael Beebs, Bondi with us today. Uh, boys, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but I am I am recording this in a one-year-old's playroom. It is an absolute electric setup. I don't know how good my quality is, but uh, it, it doesn't matter. I'm sitting on, really I'm, I'm sitting on a, a one-foot-high, maybe two-foot-high lazy boy seat. It's just... You know, my the table I've got is 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 two by two. It's just electric, absolutely phenomenal. Um, I hope you guys are doing well because this is this is by far my favorite episode of all time. So, um, Biebs, we'll does that mean you, you might have like a little kid just running in at any time? Just I, I tried to, I, I, I making sure I try to make sure that at least it won't be totally interrupted. But you never know. Who knows? Um, kids do whatever they that's want. Fair. So it is like I am in her playroom. I can't really stop her from coming in. But uh, well, exactly. That's what I meant. Like you're in her domain. So yeah, um, I'd also have her. the temptation to play with said toys. So uh, I'm glad I'm not there. I'm glad I'm in my own bedroom where there's not little cars that I can race around and fun things like that. Um, but I'm doing really good, Brock. Uh, you know, just putting along every day. I can count like shots now right here on this abacus. He's now showing us just fun things. Exactly what I said. Oh, I nice shooting percentage. myself from doing. He's doing 30 <laughs> seconds of the pod. D, how There's are you doing abacus? as we watch? Yeah. 
as we're watching play with an abacus. <laughs> what kind of one-year-old has an abacus? I don't know. That's the only, only ones thing that we're... are being trained to be the next DFO runners. Yeah. Just fostering <laughs> a young genius is all. <laughs> all right, taking um, little Einstein doing, a little D? literally. D, 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 D looks Happy like he's doing terrific. Um, all right, got the one coffee. thing. The one thing that's really cool about uh, about COVID nineteen NHL um, season is that when there's a trade, you don't have to like immediately record an emergency podcast about it because by the time you record in a week, they still not going to have debuted for their new teams, uh, which is the case for Patrick Line and Pierre Luc Dubois. So we can break it down as if we, you know, it just happened uh, on the show. So uh, we're going to open up the show with a little bit of Pierre-Luc Dubois, Jack Roslovich, Jane Roslovich, and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois talk. Uh, and then as we roll through this episode, we're just going to go through a lot of the guys uh, that you know are, are very popular. Waiver wire pickups right now are guys that are sitting on your wire that are still, uh, you know, that you're probably considering picking up. Every single person we're going to talk about today is under 40% owned, so they should be owned in almost every single league. Um, and we're just going to kind of roll through them and talk about the, the positives, the negatives of, of what they've done so far um, and their, their outlook to try to help narrow down which one of these top talents uh, that are available on the wire that you can pick up. Uh, we've got a, a, a wide array of forwards, defensemen, and goalies to discuss. But uh, let's open up with the Pierre-Luc Dubois, Patrick Line trade, uh, two guys that we've been very high on the, the podcast. In, yes, exactly. In, in the years past. Uh, very interesting stuff. I mean, the whole Luke Pierre Luc Dubois thing was a bit of a fiasco in Columbus. I mean, he, the, you know, the last game before he was traded, he was benched for the entire second and third period. I think he only played like three minutes and fifty seconds. Um, that was crazy. So it kind of had reached like just an untenable level. Like it, it was just no, there was no going back on it. Um, but I am a little bit surprised that they were able to get Patrick Line and Jack Roslovich for Pierre Luc Dubois in a third. Um, I, I, you know, as you guys know, and as our listeners know, we are huge fans of Pierre-Luc Dubois, but Patrick yeah, Kleine, man, like that's a, he's a guy that can score 40 goals literally deal. every single season. Like it's, it's a massive trade. Um, and I, I just don't really know how to digest it still. Like, I, I still don't even know who won the trade. I think it is pretty even, but, uh, Biebs, we'll start with you. Who I saw a tweet. You, who did you see come out on top here? I, yeah, I saw a tweet, like it was, I think it was probably 24 hours or before the trade actually dropped and all this fiasco was happening. And it, it mentioned that Patrick Lani might be going one way. And I thought mm-hmm. right away, seemed like this is ridiculous. Like this is actually, this is straight bonkers. Um, and, and I didn't even think anything much more of it. And then when it actually happened. Um, so I guess this kind of explains how I feel about it. What actually happens. It's kind of a wild deal. I think adding Jack Roslevic in there as well. Um, that's a first round pick. That's someone who can fill out any top nine. Um, I do like that. That's someone who's not getting mentioned a lot. But uh, Line, like you said, if, if he's that guy. He's already proven he can be a, a, a prolific goal scorer in the league. I think it's something that you can't just find anywhere else. Not saying you can with PLD. PLD is an incredible two-way talent. Um, it's 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 trade that works well for both teams. Clearly, something was wrong in in Winnipeg. We heard what's came out since with Line, um, with all he's been saying, and uh, who knows what's true and who knows what's not. We've heard what PLD's been saying, what's happening in Columbus, and what Torts has said. So. Basically, it sounds like both guys really needed a move, and this had to happen. And now we hear both sides work, or not both sides, but we hear Liney talking about contract talk in Columbus. Sounds like things are a little bit better for him there. Um, or he hasn't even started, but sounds. I mean, if he's considering an extension there, that's good news. Um, something I don't think he was considering in Winnipeg. So, you know, 
it for me, it's just that works for both teams. But uh, yeah, anytime you get a forty goal scorer who can shoot at a seventeen percent clip for a whole season, don't mind it. It's very interesting because, like, we were always talking about how it would be nice if the Jets could go out and get a a better second line center yeah. to play with Liney to play with it's huge for um, the Jets, yeah. Like, and now they don't have Liney there, but Nikolai Ehlers has really elevated his game this year, and I'm I'm really excited to see what uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Nikolai Ehlers can do together. Uh, Dubois actually came out right after the trade happened and said one of the best players he'd ever played against in junior was Nikolai Ehlers, uh, which is interesting. So it's going to be cool to see those two play together. But D, um, the athletic, uh, I think it's Ayer Prashanth, he he created a trade analyzer this year that that takes into uh, account all different things, including Don Lucision's game scores. And based on his trade analyzer, they had the Jets coming out on top in this deal. Is that the way you see it as well? Um, I don't know. I, it's, I think it's going to be one, and I mean, you could say it for most trades, but it, it's going to be impossible to really um, judge fairly without the benefit of hindsight. Um, yeah, obviously, it's, there's a lot of anticipation building over this two-week quarantine uh, period. I, I was just kind of impressed um, that they were able to get it done. I think it's just the timing worked out really nicely. Winnipeg had a pair of uh, players, um, good young players. Um, who hold significant trade capital that um, we're looking to get on their way out. Um, and you yeah, have probably the only other um, caliber of player that fell into that same category of trade capital and, and looking to force a move was Pierre-Luc Dubois. So um, they were able to kind of get together and make it happen. Um, yeah. I, Roslovich I thought was a decent throw in, but again, I don't think Winnipeg at all minded um, throwing in Roslovich. Yeah, they had just been obviously trying to shop him for a bit. Yeah, but Roslovic wanted uh, wanted out, as we know, wanted more opportunity, which he should get uh, in Columbus. Um, I, I, I don't ro- love Roslovic, to be honest. I haven't really seen anything from him um, that's blown me away and thinking he's going to be a diamond in the rough in this trade. Um, I thought his time on ice, his role in Winnipeg was pretty justified. Um, I think Line might have a slightly more difficult time um, without the sort of playmakers and the power play that he had to work with uh, in Winnipeg, uh, but obviously that's more of, you know, about the immediate future. Um, there's a lot they can do to build around a talent like that. Um, whereas Dubois, I, I think just rounds out that, that top six so nicely. Um, and yeah, I mean, you have Shifley and Dubois down in the middle for years to come. You're pretty that's much crazy. set. Crazy. Yeah. It should make, that all year. Yeah. It, <sighs> it should make the eventual decline of, uh, of Blake Wheeler easier to take on, which is, um, you know, a little bit, kind of funny to say because obviously they traded away their their top winger um to do it but um yeah wheeler um was obviously you know getting switched and pivoted more into that second line center role last season and i think that just kind of shows uh what we we're talking about and how long they've been looking to really get that depth down the middle um Stastny obviously much better suited to play on the third line at this point in his career um so yeah i like what it does a lot for both teams um i can obviously see it benefiting uh, winnipeg a little bit more in the immediate future um, but Columbus certainly has uh, an, a fantastic piece to build around now. Yeah, the one thing that's very interesting about it is just how like deep it makes that top six in in Winnipeg immediately. Like Patrick Wine is obviously an outstanding uh, goal scorer, but you need good centers. You need good two way centers, and Dubois can do that. Shifley obviously is somebody who we think is terrific, and those two down the middle, and even Adam Lowry as your third line center. It, that's a really deep. Uh, center core in Winnipeg. Now uh, there is talk about moving uh, Paul Stastny to the wing, uh, whether it is the the right wing with Ehlers on, on, on opposite wheelers with 
Dubois remains to be seen. Andrew Kopp, who we'll talk a little bit about uh, a little bit later. Um, you know, he's looked terrific so far in that top six. So it's going to be interesting to how, see how those things shake out. But the one thing that is going to be very cool to see is that, that how that Columbus power play looks now with, you know, whether or not it's, it's Rowenski on that top unit with line. A. I mean, that gives them two just terrific shooting options on that, top, on that top power play unit. That should really help um, improve that unit. Uh, as a whole, but it's just like, it's so funny. There's two things that made me laugh about this trade uh, when at least talking about Patrick Line. And the first is that the only two coaches this poor guy is ever going to have played for, and the same can be said about Pierre-Luc Dubois, is John Tortorella um, or Paul Maurice. And both are kind of just two of the tougher coaches in the NHL, uh, to put it lightly, guys that, you know, really expect a lot on the defensive end from their players. And it's not always the easiest uh, coaches to play for when you're a skilled player, such as uh, Patrick Line is. Uh, so it's kind of funny for him. And then really he's, he's, he, he never really had like that elite center to play with in Winnipeg. He never really got a chance, like a very long look ever at any point in time with Shifley. And now he goes to Columbus who really is pretty devoid of, of top end centers. I mean, Max Domi's fine. Um, Alexander Texier continues to kind of improve his play. His shootout goal last night was ridiculous, but um, they really don't have a top end center there either. So I kind of like, I still don't know. Uh, I don't think it's going to help really improve um, line A's stock at all in, in terms of fantasy, but obviously I still think it, it, you know, he's going to be a, a really prolific goal scorer for them. And the same can be said about um, Dubois. I think, you know, maybe it might hurt his stock even a little bit just because I don't, I, you know, you're not going to be seeing those top end minutes out of him, but he still wasn't really even seeing that in, in Columbus anyway. I was going to say, it's not like he was getting exactly like he was still, he was still basically that much. Yeah. They were rolling four lines pretty heavily. So, um, yeah you know, obviously you're going from basically having like an all of your Bjork strain on your wing to Nikolai Ehlers. You know, I think that that washes out pretty evenly. So I don't think it really affects anybody's value too, too much in terms of fantasy, but I think it's a really good hockey trade for both teams. Uh, and like you said, D it's going to take some time to really see who won this. It's just so interesting um, that it was like the second and third overall pick switched for each other. And I think obviously uh, cool. the Yarmo Kekka line in effect with, you know, obviously trying to get a, a really talented Finn in the mix like line a is um i think his quote was that he would have given up way more for to move up to number two than what he had to do in this deal to get line a which is which is pretty funny but um yeah i you know obviously we don't think that it's going to change things too much but a very interesting trade and i can't wait to see both those guys uh suit up but before we move on we were just talking to d you mentioned about how uh you don't love roslovich and what you've seen from him kind of recently and i'm kind of right there with you i think that he was perfectly suited in the, in the role that he was in uh, often playing yep, as a, nice third, third as a third or fourth line, line center. Yeah. yeah. And he was often playing yep. in the wing with Winnipeg, but uh, I, I don't even know if it's actually her or not, but um, Jane Roslovich, which is um, huh. Jack Roslovich's mother. I don't know if it's her actual Twitter account or not. I really don't know, but they were, tw- she was tweeting at me, whoever it was yesterday saying that Jack is not a third line center and he's going to show the, the jets and the, and the blue jackets that that's not the case, which made me laugh yesterday. I really hope and it's Daily actually Face-off. his mom. Cause, uh, cause that was hilarious. Yeah. And you daily face off. You're going to see that he's not a third line. So it made me laugh. I hope it's actually his mom. Cause that, <laughs> that cracks me. That's up amazing. Um, but, I hope right. more moms get on Twitter and start defending their sons. Cause that's awesome. Yeah. I, I think every NHL mom should have a, should have a Twitter account and defend their sons. Um, it was funny actually, because Aaron Eckblad's mom is my, like my doctor, which is hilarious. And she called me like the day before the NHL started about some doctor stuff. And we ended up just talking about how the NHL season's about to start and how Aaron's dealing with like what Aaron thinks about the, uh, like the upcoming season dealing with COVID and all that, which was kind of funny. So 
you know, moms just love daily face-off, I guess. <laughs> but all right, let's talk about uh, some of the top <laughs> casual guys. drop. My doctor is Aaron Eckblad's mom. That was a casual way to swing that one in there. Yeah, like, it's hilarious. I I didn't know for so long, and then all of a sudden I was like, <laughs> oh shit. Uh, but all right, we're gonna start with the doctor Eckblad wasn't a clue. Well, like I know, like I I knew that after, like once I there's, like there's not I got many moved, otherwise. I got moved to another doctor, and I was like, oh, like I want you know whatever, like who's this gonna be? And then all of a sudden, sure. there's Eckblad's mom. I was like, oh, that's crazy. Um, yeah. but all right, we're gonna start with the fours, and Beebs, we'll start with you um, on this one. So Joel Erickson Eck right now has been on an absolute heater in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, he's a 36 percent owned, strict center eligibility, but so far this season, he's got five goals, two assists. For seven points, uh, he has 24 shots on goal, shooting 20.8% with a 14.8 on a shooting percentage. Um, so I've been talking about Eric Sinek quite a bit. If you guys uh, listen, uh, if you guys watch my YouTube show for DFS, because that line when he was playing with Greenway and Marcus Foligno, they're one of the best shutdown lines in all of hockey. Uh, they, they just do a terrific job of, of limiting the opposition, but also generating scoring chances uh, for themselves, which is pretty impressive considering, I mean, Greenway and, and, and Foligno aren't really known as like these high end uh, offensive talents, but they're big, they're rugged. Um, and it was like, you know, is Joel Erickson ever really going to be able to produce that much offensively playing with these guys? Uh, and early on he has, but then last night he was actually moved up to the second line uh, with Kapril, Kirill Kaprizov, which is a huge boost for him. Uh, but 36% own a lot of red flags in terms of the numbers here. You know, we've never really seen a lot of offense out of this guy and he plays more of a shutdown role, but if he plays long-term with, with Kirill Kaprizov or Fiala or Parise, uh, do you see some, there being some value here? Yeah, I think uh, I think thirty six percent is pretty fair just for his uh, his roster ownage, and actually it's up one percent Brock since we've uh, we've done this. So he's now at thirty seven percent. I think that's a little bit fair. Um, we're looking at a guy who realistically wouldn't be jumping up the wire if I'm in a if I'm in a smaller league. Yes, he is getting a nice amount of ice time this year, but as you mentioned, that was more in a in a shutdown ish role. We only really saw him jump the line to um, last night, but I mean. If they find a guy who can stick with Kaprizov, he's clearly their future. And uh, Joel Eriksson, I mean, they've got some stocks in this guy, only 23 years old. Um, we could see something nice here. Someone who I'm not necessarily, as mentioned, jumping to get, but uh, but I am definitely keeping an eye. And if he has a couple couple of games in that top six, I'm going to want to get him. But um, right now, I do not believe he's touching PP1 either, which scares me. Um, so 37%, that's good. I think uh, I think we should keep that there. We're really good players at that. that. You know that's fair. Yeah, uh, they they just moved him to they just moved him to power play two, uh, which is like the first time he's yeah. seen power play like in his whole career. Mm. The one thing I will say about Eric Snack, like I I agree with you, I'm not I'm not really gonna rush the, the wire to pick him up like, just eh. just because he's strict center, right? Like there's so many quality centers out there. So if he had wing eligibility, I would maybe think about it. But um, the one thing that works in Eric Snack's favor is is they obviously love him out there. They love him in that shutdown role. But we talked about him a little bit in the preseason, how like this could be their number one center. Like they only have Nick Bugstad, Nick Benino, and Victor Rask. So it's like if it, it, yeah. if he ends up being their number one center, if he keeps playing well, he could easily be yeah. the, the, the top guy. Do you, uh, do you agree here with that? He could potentially you know be the top guy in Minnesota. Yeah, I remember speculating it on the on one of the preseason potters that to me, um, he's really the last few seasons just been their most effective forward um, in an all around fashion. Uh, I don't know how much power play time he'll end up seeing just because he does see so much time elsewhere um, and on the penalty kill as well. So 
Yeah, it, it's interesting. I think the straight center eligibility really hurts him. Like I said, I think he's a fantastic hockey player. Um, but I think the his counting stats are a little overblown right now. Obviously, he's got five goals in eight games. No one mm. expects him to maintain that. The shots are nice. They're up. Um, but, I, you know, we got to see him maintain that a little bit more. I think it's worth noting that the Wild have only played the Ducks, Sharks, and Kings so far this mm-hmm. year. Um, so not exactly the stiffest competition. And I think that's going to be uh, a bit of a theme with some of these guys that we're talking about who've really seen their value skyrocket in the early weeks. Like I said, I love Erickson Eck, but to me, um, his long-term fantasy value kind of computes more to a guy like Philip Deneau, um, who can kind of, you can stick him in in all areas. He's an incredibly valuable um, IRL hockey player. Um, but in terms of fantasy production, I don't think what Eric Sinek does best is going to add up um, to fantasy value. But you never know. We've seen guys like this um, take this sort of turn, and they've just never been really been given the reins or their, their, that sort of offensive responsibility. Sean Couturier comes to mind, um, kind of established himself as one of the best shutdown centers in the NHL before um, really uh, taking over more of a first-line role in Philly. Patrice Bergeron probably had a similar um uh, career structure at least at the start of his uh, career so again not comparing Eric Sinek um, to that kind of caliber player but to me what he offers an NHL team is really similar to uh, what that kind of player did before they took off but there's nothing in the underlying numbers um, that gets me rushing the wire just like you guys right now um, but yeah I think he's a great player he's really interesting to watch um, but straight center eligibility is going to be a no for me in standard leagues right now yeah, yeah, and their like their numbers are just so ridiculous. Um, when he's with Greenway and Felino, I mean, they're just so effective in a shutdown role. Like, it worries me that he is so good and they're so good together as a trio that they're gonna have a hard time taking him off of that line. Like, if if they when they're playing against Colorado, like, why wouldn't that line be together and say go out there against McKinnon and shut them down? Like, that's and hope that these other guys can just figure it out. Um, like, obviously, we were not a fan of the Eric Stahl like trade when it him. happened. I think that this it's it makes it look terrible right now. Like, Johansson, looks, he's off to a pretty solid start himself. But um, I just wish, like, that they had a real top line and they could just let this this line shut other teams down uh, like they do. So I, I, I just think that there is just too much of a concern where he could just be right back in that shutdown role, like, you know, next game, no problem. Um Andrew Kopp's a guy who's also moved up from the bottom six to the top six uh, in recent games uh, following the trade of Patrick Laine. He's up to 39% owned center left-wing eligibility, but Kopp, uh, coming off a four-point game, now has, now has nine points, uh, four goals, five assists in seven games this season, 25 shots on goal for 16% shooting percentage, and a 15.5 on a shooting percentage. But, but it's really uh, what looks really terrific for him right now is his 18 point uh, or his 18 minutes, 14 seconds average time on ice. He is a guy that does see some power play time and some penalty kill time. So, um, you know, I don't know if he's going to stick in that top six as soon as uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois arrives, but as of right now, I have a hard time believing that they're going to break up Nick Ehlers. And, That's and Cop back, right? Now. right? Exactly. So yeah. uh, D what do you see here in cop? Obviously he's a guy that's never really put up huge numbers at the NHL level, but he's been off to a, a great start this year. Yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting. I think the one thing that, um, you know, we can say pretty confidently that, you know, you don't expect him to take a spot on the top power play at any time soon, especially with Dubois arriving um, and just strengthening uh, the depth they have there, or the choices they have for that top unit. Um, yeah, like I said, cop's not going to be usurping anyone for that ice time anytime soon. He's right on the bubble for that second unit, which again, doesn't see a lot of ice time. Um, and he's obviously variable uh, or very valuable and, um, 
uh, yeah, very valuable player at 5v5 as well as on the penalty kill. So it makes sense that um, they wouldn't be itching to get him, you know, so that those extra minutes on the power play um, when it's just not where he's best suited. Uh, fourth in penalty kill time compared to 10th in power play time. So clearly, um, you know, that's kind of where his allegiance lies right now in terms of special teams. Um, the shots, great to see 25 and seven games. Um, it's really interesting because he's barely playing more than he did last season. He did play just under 18 minutes a night last season, had 10 goals, 16 assists in 63 games, uh, and only shot the puck 121 times. So only right around two shots a game. Obviously this, uh, this season, he's at about three and a half. Another one of those ones, the Jets have only played the Oilers and the Senators so far. Um, Two teams that are in the bottom 10 and and shots against in the league, probably unsurprisingly. So I don't know how much stock to put into his shot totals. Um, Hard to imagine him getting onto the top line. Obviously, the second line role, if he can hold that down uh, next to, you know, two guys like Ehlers and Dubois, that would be a very uh, attractive spot. And we've seen, um, you know, Ehlers in that role. Um, not so far are in the not so uh, distant past uh, maintain some really respectable fantasy value and production. Um, so there's a possibility, like I said, I, if you have the space, I think it's worth the speculative ad, but I'd be really having a close eye uh, on a shot volume as they start to play some stiffer competition. He was a guy that did put up yeah. pretty solid numbers at the university of Michigan. He, so he came into the NHL kind of being um, known as a, as a, pretty good offensive threat, but him and Andrew Low- or sorry, Adam Lowry were so effective together that he kind of got locked into that third line role. Uh, so I think if he does continue to see top six minutes, there is a little bit of value there. Um, but it's just, you know, like you said, D it's, you know, with no PP one time, it is going to be really hard to kind of break through at, at, at any point in time, but it, it, he is something, somebody I think is worth a, a speculative ad and just hoping that he could stay on that, that line with, cause it, Dubois is terrific and Ehlers is outstanding. And if that becomes a trio, it could be, it could be really dangerous. Uh, but Biebs, you got anything else to add on Andrew Kopp? Uh No, just, just to add on to what you just said there, if he, if he does stick the line and he is the shooting option, like we've seen in these last couple games, that's, oof, I love that. Um, one thing that, you know, is great with PLD coming in like like we said, is, you know, he could be playing, but then that'll also pretty much surely take him off that PP too. But um, yeah, I like Andrew Kopp. I uh, can't really add on much more than what D said. I, I just sat over here shaking my head or shake. Yes. Um, no, nodding not, your head. <laughs> no, for people who are worried. Uh, yeah, nodding my head. There we go. But uh, yeah, he was on the ball with that one. So we can uh, move on to the next I one. think that there is a chance where, like they said that, you know, Stastny might move to the middle or, or move to the wing. But I, I think that there's also a world in Why? which in which Stastny goes to, at, to the third line center and they try to kind of create three pretty good scoring lines and put Adam Lowry in more of a fourth line role. I don't know how likely it is, but I think that there is a world in which that could happen and, and that would leave Kopp in, in the top six. Um, you know, Yance well, it would hard- obviously make the most... Yeah, it would obviously make the most sense, right? Stastny really hasn't played a lot on the wing at all in his career. Exactly. Obviously, it's an easier move than from going um, yeah. to the wing to and the I don't middle. Know how willing he is to move now in his career. Yeah, too. like I said, it'd be an easier job, but yeah, you're right. Like they have, you know, Jansen Harkins in, in Winnipeg. They've been kind of like their fan base has been clamoring for him to get more minutes. Um, and, and you know, if you put somebody like like him with with Stastny, uh, it could create a pretty decent third line. And L- Lowry would be like maybe the best fourth line center in the entire NHL. So uh, very interesting. Sure. Th- this trade definitely opens up a lot more possibilities than uh, than they had when just you no know, Patrick Liney was there. But uh, let's move on here to a couple of Coyotes. We're going to talk about Connor Garland and Nick Schmaltz, who play together on, I guess, kind of like their de facto top line. 
Uh, Connor Garland is 41% owned. He has seven points, three goals, four assists in eight games, 32 shots on net, which is a really uh, solid sign. 9.4 on our shooting percentage and 9.4 on a shooting percentage as well. Uh, and to go to Nick Schmaltz, he's got three goals, three assists, six shot, uh, six points in eight games, 21 shots, and a 7.9 on a shooting percentage. Um, I talked about them on my YouTube show yesterday that this is uh, a line that has just outstanding offensive numbers. Uh, they look really good together uh, in you know throughout the start of this season and when they were together uh, for parts of last year as well. Arizona's got to score some goals eventually. Uh, we did talk about it in, in the preseason. Uh, when we talked about the strength of schedule and so far it has been absolute nail so far, the, the North division has been just, you know, wildly high scoring and uh, that West division has been by far the lowest scoring division. So there is uh, a little bit of concern when you're talking about adding two coyotes in, in a, in a low scoring division on a team that really isn't known for scoring a lot of goals, but uh, if they're going to score some goals, Garland and Schmaltz look like two guys that are going to be able to do it. I don't know if I mentioned Nick Schmaltz's own percentage. He's only 51 or 15% in comparison to Garland's 41%. But Beebs, any interest in either one of these guys? Uh, Connor Garland was a guy that we preached last year. We, we just really loved it, loved how much he shot. And it, it hasn't changed. He got, he got hurt for a couple of years and that kind of threw him off. But at, at the same time, he was incredibly uh, rosterable throughout the end of the year. He was clearly their number, not clearly, but he was their number one scoring option. And, uh, and I don't much change this year. We kind of expected, uh, you know, things to maybe go back to the way they should have been. Uh, I don't know about should have been, but the way that, you know, the, the classics on that team, the Phil Castles taking over, but Garland seems to be the guy. And uh, like you said, Brock, 32 shots. He played 21 minutes the other night. Um, we've always said Garland's issue is not getting ice time. If he's getting 21 minutes a night, we, we absolutely love to see it. It's showing that they're clearly putting more faith in him. He's now on power play one. Um, Garland, for me, he's the top pickups we're going to talk about. Today. Um, but clearly he's also one of the higher owned ones at 41%. But uh, but out there with uh, he's clearly clicking. Uh, that team's gonna do better. Um, I mean, Arizona struggled to start. We've all seen it. But uh, but yeah, for me, I, I really like Garland. Three goals, four assists. Um, he's he's the one, the only people, as you mentioned, putting on Arizona right now. Actually, rosterable, and he's gonna continue to do that, in my opinion. So definitely get grab him if you can. Um, PP one, line one. I think the one thing that's really interesting about picking up Garland is the Arizona Coyotes have kind of transformed who they are this year. Um, you know, at least early on in the season, they are a much more high event hockey team uh, as right, as right now, they are 30 in the NHL and expected goals for at five E five um, and sit sixth in the NHL in, in scoring chances for per 60. Uh, so they're kind of a, a much more exciting team than we've seen in years past where they've played, you know, relatively low event hockey. And I think that bodes well for Garland D. Yeah, I, like Beans talked about it, I, I think we've been talking about him actually for a couple of years now. His rookie year, he came in, scored 13 goals in 47 games and had almost three shots on net a game despite playing less than 13 minutes a night. So obviously that caught our eye. Um, and as Beebs said, we've just been waiting for him to get the ice time and the opportunity um, to flourish. And so it's really no surprise to see him shooting the puck as much as he had. Had another strong year last year, 22 goals, uh, 39 points in 68 games. Again, despite playing 14 minutes a night, um, and nothing in the underlying numbers that suggest uh, those totals were inflated at all. So um, the really, you know, the thing, uh, I, I think maybe we were losing faith if you were ever actually going to get a, a real, you know, significant and sustained chance uh, or opportunity in that top six. Um, but as Beef said, he's finally getting it now. 
Um, so it's great to see. And to me, he's probably my favorite pickup that we're going to talk about today. Speaking of a guy who used to have terrific shot volume, but not so much anymore, he's kind of trending, <laughs> trending in the opposite direction of Connor Garland. James Van Riemsdyk uh, was a guy who was routinely one of my favorite fantasy pickups in, in his later years in Toronto uh, because he had just the most consistent shot volume and, and goal production you know, amongst these later round picks. Uh, but Van Riemsdyk's kind of reinvented himself here in the last, uh, you know, he, he struggled a little bit last year, but he's really had a nice start to uh, the 2021 campaign, five goals, uh, two of which came the other night, three assists. So he's got eight points in his first eight games, but just 20 shots on goal. So not quite the shot volume we're used to seeing out of him, but also not, um, not the same usage just at 15 and a half minutes a night so far this season. Uh, D this is a guy that you watched night in and night out a couple years ago. He is still, you know, the net front presence on the top power play unit. Uh, but do you have any interest in, in James and Reams like in comparison to some of these other guys that we've talked about so far? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's always room for his ice time to grow. And it's worth noting that his last couple of years in Toronto, he had 29 and 36 goals despite playing around 15 minutes a night. So um, if you get him in the right sheltered minutes, he can definitely still produce in a more limited role, um, especially when, like you said, Brock, you had in the fact that he's still that uh, presence in front of the net on the power play. I just think, you know, goal production is getting harder and harder to come by these days. Um, so if you have the spot on your bench and, you know, you, you need the goals, um, I think Van Riemsdyk should be a pretty consistent source throughout the season. Um, but if the ice time wanes at all, there's really, there's really no room to play with there, right? If he moves down the lineup, if he falls off the top power play unit, uh, he's not going to be worth holding on to. But for me right now, I, I think it's a, he's a decent roll of the dice. And, um, you know, if, if he's ever available to stream and plug in for a game or two, I think he's one of the better bets uh, to come through with a goal for you on a given night that you can find on the wire. Yeah, the, the Flyers have been forced to kind of shake things up with Sean Couturier and Morgan Frost out. It's really forced them to kind of um, shuffle the lines up front, and it's led to James Van Riemsdyk landing on Kevin Hayes' wing. And uh, w- with Couturier out, Kevin Hayes really is their best center left standing at this point. So being tied to Kevin Hayes definitely is beneficial. And being on PP1, I mean, it doesn't really get much better. Um, I think that the one thing about James Van Riemsdyk right now is it's like, I think he's a pretty good ad here for these next couple of weeks. And then it's like, wait for Sean Couturier to get back and see how the lines shake out at that point. But uh, as of right now, I mean, there's really not a better spot to be in Philadelphia. Uh, Beebs, anything else to add on JVR? No, um, other than, you know, the 25% shooting percentage scaring me and that he might have the most through-the-leg shots in the whole league because we all know I love to stand there and do that little between-the-leggers. Um, no, yeah, JVR, like D said, it, it, you t- it, there's room for more ice in, in that team's uh, – I think that team performed um, in my eyes at least, so I can see some something happening. But uh, I'm not flying at JVR. I'm not, I'm not in a rush. But if you are looking for a spot start on a night or two, he's, he's not a person to look at. Uh, Biebs, you talked about this guy last week, but his own percentage still remains uh, below 40%. Yeah. So I think it's just worth talking about him again really quick. I talk about him every day on two. Yeah. Uh, um, the Dallas yeah. Stars have been off to a terrific start, uh, you know, early on. Uh, obviously, a couple of games against Detroit is going to help. Um, but early on, the Stars, Joe Pavelski is like just the hottest player in the world <laughs> to start the season. But Dennis Giryanov, not too far behind. Giryanov's a guy that we loved last year. He's a guy um, that just exploded in the playoffs. He's super talented everybody is just like, this guy needs more ice time. This guy needs more ice time. Even with half their team, like seemingly still out, he's still under 16 minutes a night, but seven points, three goals, four assists, 
uh, 15 shots, 20% shooting percentage, 18.2 on a shooting percentage early on, uh, but small sample size so far. Um, for Dennis Kirionov, 39% on. Biebs, you talked about him last week. Yeah. Obviously, let's re-up on him here. Yeah, Danny G, he's the boy. Um, I've been going crazy on Twitter about this guy just because week, uh, it's, he's been so low. He was almost 30%, I believe, or lower than 30% two days ago. Um, it, it's just blowing my mind. This is a guy who's on PP1, as mentioned last week, he is the number one shooting option when he's on uh, when he's on power play one. So you kind of want him out there. He's also having this success without Rupe hints for the last two games who uh, he's been out with injury. That was someone who, who they've been known to work quite well together and played on the top line, top power play together. Um, but instead, you know, Gary he is their number one shooting option. He's their number one, everything option right now, seven points in four games. Um, this, uh, we mentioned it last time too. Dallas missing the first couple of games with COVID. Um, if you haven't picked this guy up, that affect you at all. And that means that they're going to have a lot more games than some other teams going forward. As we've seen in Vancouver, they've played about 45 games so far. Um, and we've seen Dallas played three. So, or played four, sorry. So if you, if you, if you can get Gary on I would be rushing for this guy. Um, I think he should be more around the 70% owned. Um, that could be called ridiculous by some people, but I do truly believe that he is my top guy to pick up out of all these waiver players. Um, for me, Gary on just, yes, he's been playing, better than he probably will play for the rest of the year. But at the same time, he's at almost two points per game right now. So um, it's crazy that he's, I like how you're, I like how you're Russian. You're Russian to the waiver wire for Dennis <laughs> Kiriano. Very nice. Um, but yeah, he is the guy yeah, that just nailed like, that, eh? on the, uh, on the top power play unit. It's like, let's just feed Dennis and let him rip bombs. And he, he's got an absolute rocket. Um, but yeah, you, I think the one thing that you pointed out that's, that is very interesting is that he's, you know, had a lot of success uh, I, one of these goals, I believe, was an empty netter last night. But still, uh, a lot of success with yeah. Rupe hints. And once Rupe gets back in the mix there, that's just going to help uh, solidify that 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 line as a whole. Uh, I don't know if I need to tell you this, but Rupe hints is a much better hockey player than Justin Dowling is. Uh, but D, <laughs> um, you know, obviously this is a guy that we've just talked about, you know, nonstop for the better part of a year uh, now. So anything else to really add on this guy? No, certainly worth the ad right now. Um, ice time still concerns me a bit. Um, they, they love rolling four lines in Dallas, even when um, the roster doesn't agree with that sort of deployment. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little bit, I guess, pessimistic about the amount he can do over a full season in 15 minutes a night. Um, and, yeah, he last year was 13 minutes. The year before that, he was 11. So, I would love to see him. I think to me, like a guy like Connor Garden, where if he actually got the first time role in the first nine minutes consistently, he'd be a no brainer and, um, you know, should be an absolute lock to, to be on it. Uh, every roster in standard leagues. Um, but yeah, like I said, to me right now, worth the speculative ad, but I'll be watching that ice time closely for sure. Yeah. It's just so interesting because like you'd expect that if there was ever a time where he was going to play like 19 minutes a night, it would be right now when half the team is out. Like, yeah. you know, there's no, there's no Rupe, there's no Jimmy Ben, they're, they're without Blake Como. Um, and even with like, you know, a, a full AHL fourth line right now, they're still rolling him only out there under 60 minutes a night, which is a little bit concerning uh, to be sure. But uh, you know, with the production that he's had so far, I, I just don't understand. Like yeah. everybody's like, play this guy more, play this guy, play this guy, play this guy. And they just won't. It's, it's outstanding. It's, but, it's weird too. Cause yeah. it's not like they're not trusting him in his own zone and they're just cherry picking his minutes. He's has a 40% offensive zone start percentage um, this year. Again, it's only been four games, but it, obviously that deployment's a little bit the opposite of what you expect um, for a rookie that's getting sheltered minutes. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's an unbelievable talent. Would love to see him get that opportunity. 
Um, but yeah, if he kind of, the production falls off a bit and he's still playing 14, 15 minutes a night, I'd probably pull the plug in a week or two, but certainly worth the ad right now. Uh, somebody else we talked a little bit about last week. I mentioned him as a deep league ad and we've seen this ownership uh, come up quite a bit since then. Jordan Cairo center right wing eligibility, 26% owned. Uh, he has three goals, four assists for seven points, 20 shots on goal for 15% shooting percentage and a 15.4 on a shooting percentage while playing just 13 minutes a night. Um, I'm, I am a little bit surprised. Uh, this is another team that likes to roll four lines. I am a little bit surprised to see that, that usage down as low as it is because this guy is basically tied at the hip right now with uh, J- Jaden Schwartz and Braden Shen. It's kind of crazy, but um, you know, obviously like they, they see a little bit more of the, you know, the extra shift than he will, which is fine. Uh, but I mean, we're talking about a lot of guys on this list. Um, basically every single person that we've talked about so far, I would, I would prefer over Jordan uh, Cairo, but Cairo is somebody I definitely have interest in, in, in some of these bigger leagues. Like, uh, you know, he's only yeah. 26% owned compared to some yeah. of these other guys and keeper leagues too. Yeah. So if your league's a little bit bigger uh, or a little bit deeper, and the guys that we've mentioned before um, aren't available. Jordan Kyrie would probably become uh, near the top of the list for all three of us here in uh, in terms of a pickup right now. Yeah, I think uh, he kind of really reminds me of, uh, I think really made from the same mold in terms of at least fantasy um, value as uh, a guy like Guriana of a year ago or Garland two years ago, where, you know, the underlying numbers look really strong, but the ice time just isn't there. So, a target in deeper leagues for now and someone to keep your eye on uh, and, and watch the ice time in the role. Cause it, yeah, it really seems like if he uh, ever were to get the, or to match the ice time of Schwartz and Shen, he could be a, a real fantasy uh, asset. Yeah. I think uh, I kind of got into it last week and this guy has excelled at every level, but um, it's just going to take the ice time, like you said. Um, and yeah, for now, I mean, if, as I mentioned just a couple seconds ago, if you're in a keeper league, maybe a little bit more enticing um, if you're just in a redraft league, I'm looking at him, you know, day in, day out, seeing the matchup, um, maybe picking him up if I have a, a spot start, but but I'm not rushing to the wire for this guy. Not yet, not until the ice stems there. Just too much talent going on in that team. Uh, and, yeah, um, it's not like he's going to take that spot ahead of him. Um, and they got they got a guy named Robert Thomas who was drafted in the same draft. It was their first-round draft pick, and I think they're going to give a bit more ice to him. Um, plays a bit more two-way. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not rushing for Kairou. Um but yeah, it is, kills it it is worth mentioning. It always ends um, up happening. It is worth mentioning that, uh, you know, in terms of a short-term ad, um, Cairo and the St. Louis Blues do have four games uh, next week. The same can also be said about the the pair of Coyotes that we talked about. However, their four so are you games telling do, me we're not going to have a ridiculous week like uh, this week, it, where it, like it everyone looks, just played it, on the same fucking day? It does look almost as bad, but not quite as bad. Like the, the two one oh, game slates is just ridiculous. But uh, yeah, that was crazy. Beebs, you mentioned, or sorry, D actually, you mentioned Anthony Duclair last week as a prime uh, pickup. Uh, and this week, I think Carter Verhage is definitely worth talking about as well. He's the third member of the Florida Panthers top line with Verhage, Barkoff, and Duclair. Uh, so far this season, you know, they haven't got to play a whole heck of a lot, but they've been absolutely outstanding. Uh, it's a small sample size, mm-hmm. but the underlying numbers for Florida one right now are just through the roof right now. And Verhage is a guy who's got four goals in his first four games of the season, six points, uh, only 12 shots. So 33% shooting percentage is obviously very high. 16.3 on a shooting percentage, super high. Uh, but it's just a four game sample. You can't really base anything too, too crazy off of that. But the usage is just ridiculous. Over 19 minutes a night right now. 
Uh, their underlying numbers, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, playing with Barkov, just outstanding stuff. Uh, the one really interesting thing about Verhage for next week is they don't play until Thursday, uh, but then they've got two games against the Predators back-to-back and then finish the week out against the Red Wings. So um, maybe, you know, if you've got a streaming spot on your on your roster, you want to pick up somebody uh, who's got two games, maybe Monday, Wednesday, and then Verhage is a guy that you want to stream for three games in four days to close out the week. Uh, playing 19 minutes on that top line, only 11% owned. And uh, as we mentioned, you know, B- you just said it about Kyrie, who's a guy that's kind of scored at every single stop. Verhage is a little bit of a late bloomer, at least when you consider uh, the NHL level. Uh, but the year before, uh, he made it, you know, the leap from the AHL to the NHL with the Lightning. He led the AHL in points with 82 points in 76 games. Uh, and, a, you know, yeah. he's a very prolific um, OHL yeah. scorer as well. So definitely a guy with a ton of talent. D, I know you loved Duclair last week. For Haggy, kind of fall in the same boat for you right now? Yeah, absolutely. I love that line in general. The usage is through the roof. Uh, for Haggy, averaging 19 minutes a night. And like you said, um, anytime you get someone playing in that role off to a hot start, with the track record, um, obviously, you just need to look at the past AHL scoring leaders. It usually bodes pretty well, especially when you can do it at a young age. It's a very tough league to go and compete in. Usually transitions, Except like I said, or translates very well uh, to production in the National Hockey League. So to get him on this top line, playing that much with a guy like Barkov, um, and, you know, I think a really solid all-around uh, winger in Duclair, who maybe doesn't get the uh, due credit for his playmaking ability. Um, so, yeah, it, it, to me, if this line stays together, um, Duclair and Verhey can both be um, really nice fantasy assets. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like it a lot. Obviously, he's going to be a guy that's very – his value is completely tied to that role and that ice time right now. But 19 minutes with Alexander Barkov, you, you really can't beat it. So, uh, yeah, should probably be picked up right now. Yeah, 11%'s a crime for this guy, especially just with the way he's performing, the ice time he has, the fact he's playing with Barkov. Um, can't can't add anything more on to what you said there, D. One thing I do want to mention, this guy is a Toronto Maple Leafs draft pick. Kind of threw me for a little to see that one. I don't know when he got thrown out of the mix, but uh, but damn. He was traded. Not like they need him, just saying. He was traded. Yeah, he was. He was a deal. Along with uh... – he was, he was part of the Michael Grabner deal that sent Grabner to the Maple Leafs. Huh. Uh, Tom Nielsen, okay. Matt Finn, Christopher, Christopher Gibson, and Taylor Beck to Give the Islanders legend. for Michael. Man, they traded like five guys for Grabner. That's hilarious. And then that yeah. led to the most one of the most infamous moments in the DFO podcast history. Um, moving on, I don't think we talked about it enough. We haven't talked about it in like two years. I didn't even mention it. Uh, it's true. We haven't in a while. It, it, that was, it was right there. Um, okay. A couple more forwards to talk about really quickly here. I'll, uh, I'll start with Jonathan Drouin, 30% owned center left wing eligibility, one goal, seven assists, eight points in seven games. Uh, the really ugly stat in his line right now is just five shots, but uh, seven assists, you know, you're, you're playing with Nick Suzuki, who we love Josh Anderson, who we love. That's one of the best lines in hockey right now. Uh, you know, given the lack of potential goal production, do you guys have any interest in Drouin right now? D, you're shaking your head. Obviously, you know, no, we're all about shot volume. Five here. shots, dude. Five shots. It's so good. Yeah, he's a terrific playmaker, but you can't rely on um, that kind of value to continue. Um, obviously, the talent's been there, but to think that he can sustain anywhere near an assist a game, I, I, you know, which is probably what he would need to do um to sustain some real fantasy value with how little he's shooting the puck how little he has the last few seasons so yeah i don't love drew if i'm being completely honest he's still only playing 15 minutes a night uh i think if that 
line really takes over um, and starts to see in general two to three more minutes. I think, like we said, we talked about it a lot. I think that's maybe the next step uh, for this team is some easing the burden a little bit on Dano and Gallagher and, uh, and Tatar doling the minutes back and dealing it out to Suzuki and Anderson. Um, so if Drew could be a, bene- a benefactor of that, uh, then certainly would help his fantasy value. But right now, five shots in 70 games, 15 minutes a night of ice time, it's going to be a hard pass for me. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know how that's possible to get five shots in seven games with that much ice. I remember like when he's he a was pass t- first player. When he came he's into a the pass league, first, though, second, it, it, and third player. When he yeah, was in right. Tampa Bay, though, coming into the league, he was like the like his first couple of years, he was like the focal point of their power play unit, and they would feed him, and he would just rip bombs from the point. And now he has five shots in seven games. I don't what a fall from grace. Uh, but Zach Parise, a guy who does not lack shot volume, twenty two percent owned, no. left wing eligible. He has four points in eight games, but shots twenty seven in eight games, seven point four shooting percentage, fifteen point two on a shooting percentage usage through the roof at over eighteen minutes a night. Uh, really quickly, either one of you guys interested in Parise beat? Uh, mind them if you if you need someone to fill a spot, um, especially lately, four points in his last four games. Just keep an eye on that. Um, it is someone who, you know, like you said, usage is high, near 20 minutes of ice a night. Um, and he may be getting more ice, more ice time with Kevin Fiala about to get suspended for a game or two. So uh, just Zach Prize, I'd keep an eye on him. Um, I, I'm not jumping, but uh, I wouldn't mind picking him up if I, uh, if I have a, a, a random punt for the night kind of thing, random person to play. So, yeah. High shots too. I love that. Yeah. I, again, I think as much as, uh, you know, the wild start to the season has, you can call it impressive. Obviously it's gotten some people by surprise. I think they've done a little bit better than maybe we uh, anticipated. Um, they've only played the King sharks and ducks. So yep. they're going to have to start playing some playoff caliber teams at some they point. They got the abs, the next four. <laughs> Yeah. Four straight. They played eight. No, Four I'm not kidding. They played eight games and they've been against the King Sharks and Ducks, right? So um, <laughs> yeah. obviously you wouldn't expect them to be able to own the puck as much as they have in those games. I think you're going to see Parise shot uh, totals start to fall down and wean more towards the two shots a game he put up last season. Um, but he's not far off some uh, prolific shot volume uh, campaign. So uh, to me, one of the better um, spot starts that you can usually find on stream uh, in a given week, uh, just because, you know, he's going to play a lot and he does like to shoot the puck. Um, but certainly not a guy I'm holding on to a roster spot for the full season. Yeah. Uh, four games next week, at least uh, in Colorado, in Colorado, and then two against the Coyotes to close out the week. So, um, you know, four games, definitely worth a short-term ad. I would, I would uh, agree with that. Just a guy that's always just, you know, the shot volume is there and he is a focal point of a team that is really lacking, um, you know, outside of, outside of him, Fiala and Kaprizov, they really don't have a whole lot of options up front uh, in terms of putting the puck in the net. Uh, Let's close it out with a New York Ranger. We talked about him a little bit last week as well. 28% Pavel Buchnevich, uh, two goals, uh, four points, sorry, two goals, four assists for six points uh, set in seven games, 18 shots on net for an 11% shooting percentage, 11% on a shooting percentage uh, usage right now through seven games, 19 minutes and 52 seconds a night. Um, I think... We're gonna. I'm gonna ask you guys here in a minute to rank these guys. Uh, your top three favorites. I have Buchnevich as my number one target. Um, out of these guys, he's the really? last forward we're gonna talk about. I just think that you know the Rangers really kind of got out of the gate slow, but this is a team that I do expect to be able to score a lot of goals uh, throughout the course of the season. Um, and we've you know he's bounced either between the Zabanajad line or the. Uh, Panarin line in either spot doesn't really matter is a terrific spot for Buchnevich. Um, 
the one thing that especially pushes him over the edge for me right now is Philip Heidel is it out long term. Uh, and that is going to limit uh, the amount of usage that New York three is going to get. Um, they have been t- just terrible when Brett Howden's moved up. So I, I think they're really going to lean heavily on, on the top six here in the next couple weeks. And obviously we've seen it so far, um, almost 20 minutes a night for this guy. Um, Phoebes, you just mentioned it. He is on PP one. Uh, he's the net front on their top power play unit. Now uh, they bumped Carter down last night. So uh, a lot really boating well here going in Buchnevich's favor. Uh, so he is my top target uh, of these, but there's a lot of good pickups here. D, uh, Buchnevich is somebody we talked about last week. Anything else really to to add on him? Uh, no, I, I think, like you said, we talked about him for a few years. It's really interesting to see him now finally to start getting the ice time. Um, but yeah, I definitely think he's worth an add in standard leagues right now. Uh, and if you can maintain playing 20 minutes a night with that kind of caliber uh, of line mates and, and teammates, um, yeah, I don't think there's any question that he should provide real fantasy value this season. Yeah, I think uh, Dmitry Filipovich put it best. He tweeted this week, let's watch Pavel Bushnevich break out for the 25th time, I think he said. Um, so, uh, Brock, you've definitely talked me into him. He was he was my number three. Um, he's going to stay at number three. But I do think that Bush is someone that you can uh, – you can definitely, like you said, they're gonna. New York's gonna play better. Um, even Lafreniere on the first point of the year, last um, things are gonna start clicking a little bit more out there. Yeah. So uh, I'll go first here. Um, I have Buchnevich as number one. I have um, Dennis Giryanov at number two. Connor Garland number three, and Carter Verhage number four. Um, I think actually it's probably like a two A, two B, two C situation for me. Uh, I really like Garland, Giryanov, and Verhage. I think they all kind of have um, their own issues, their own red flags. Um, but Garland is just, you know, terrific shot volume, uh, terrific usage as well. I just, I do have a little bit of concern on, uh, how much that team is going to score. Uh, early returns have been really good. So Garland is definitely a terrific target for me. Giryanov, I just want to see a little bit more ice time for sure. Um, and Carter Verhage, as long as he's on that top line, he is just an outstanding uh, fantasy asset D um, who, you know, I was going to say top three, but I couldn't narrow it down. There's just the four of them are so good <laughs> for me. Uh, I got to stick with my boy. Denny G is number one. Uh, I really went the wrong way on the list. Most people go three, two, one, but I went, I'm going one, two, three here. So Dennis Gariano out in Dallas, number one for me, just, you know, the, with those extra games played um, just that already success um, and just being the number one shooting option on a power play. I'm not going to go into it anymore. Number one for me, number two out in Arizona, Connor guard, um, very, very close to Brock's boy, Pavel Bushnevich, who's getting my third slot here. Um, again, I just want to throw out a quick mention to Carter Hagee, one of the lowest owned members on this, the lowest owned member on this list and makes my number four as well. So shout out to him. Um, but yeah, Bush at number three. These are all three guys who are on power play one and line one on their team. I like any three of these guys. If you can get one of three, you good, do it. But uh, D, what do you got for us for your top three? Uh, and then we can get hit by the stones. Yeah, I said it earlier in the show, so I'm going to have to stick uh, with my guns there. To me, it's uh, Connor Garland would be my first pick. I just think um, his ice time and rolling usage, I'm a lot more optimistic of him being able to maintain it this season. Um, I think it's just a really natural progression with what he's shown the years before that he evolves into kind of a top line and top powerful unit uh, asset for them. And I think he can really be their most productive player this season. 
Buchnevich, I'm just a little bit more weary about whether he's not or uh, whether he's able to maintain that ice time. There's a lot of room for it to drop, obviously, playing 20 minutes a night. Um, but I certainly love him as well. He would be number two for me. Uh, and then I don't know how, how to really uh, <laughs> how much value to put in this, but Verhege to me at just 11 percent. That, that's a steal right now in pretty much every league. Um, so I'm going to put him just over Giryanov. I obviously love Giryanov, and I think he's a fantastic talent uh, and will certainly be a great fantasy asset long term. I'm just, again, I don't really um, have the faith in the stars to give him the minutes uh, and the ice sign that his talent deserves at this point. So I think the fantasy production might uh, uh, might be hindered just a bit. So I got Giryanov uh, as fourth. Um, and then I would have, like I said, Verheke at three, uh, Buchnevich at two, and Garland at one. So I guess what it boils down to is for the listeners, which one of us they trust the most because we each have a different guy in the number one spot. Um, and, you know, we've had comments over, over the years where say the, their favorite part about this podcast is how much we disagree with each other. So that's good because uh, we do it again here. Uh, but let's fire it over to the Blue Stones. Uh, when we get back, we're going to just continue to go through. One thing we can all agree on. Yeah, the one thing we can agree on is that they're terrific stuff. Um, but when we get back, we're going to talk about a, a handful of defensemen and goaltenders. And, uh, and do the same thing we just did. Just really give you guys a ton of options across uh, the entire roster. But enjoy the Blue Stones first. We'll see you guys back here in 60 seconds. Gentlemen, to season six, episode nine, a very 69 episode of the Daily Face Off podcast. I am your host, Brock Seagan. Nice. The Daily Face Off podcast is brought to you by our friends at oddshark.com. Um, all right, we talked about forwards who are super fun to talk about, uh, things that aren't quite as fun to talk about defensemen. So let's just kind of rip through these guys because I'm sure you guys don't really give a shit anyway. Uh, but Connor oh. Murphy is on an absolute heater right now. He's up to 31% owned. Uh, He has two goals, three assists for five points, 16 shots, 12.5 shooting percentage, 9.6 on ice shooting percentage, playing over 23 minutes a night. Uh, The one thing I did fail to write down, which is a huge fail on my part, is how many blocked shots he has, but I'm pretty sure it's just astronomically high. I'm really trying to trying to drag this it's sentence 16, on. Brock. Yeah, he has 16, 16 block shots, so averaging two shot blocks per game. If that is a, a stat in your in your league, uh, also 15 hits, so averaging two shots or two blocks, two hits per game. Um, very useful player if you have a league with Matt a massive amount of categories. Um, he's also very useful on DraftKings. His DraftKings price is almost 6,000 now because he's just yeah. that good. He's um, playing a ton of minutes the last couple of games, 27 minutes the other night. You'd love to see that. It's almost half a game for a kid. That's gonna, you're going to block shots standing there on yeah. the ice for 27 minutes. 
He's always Especially been a guy when you play on a bad team like Chicago. He's always been a guy that's had outstanding usage. He's always played a ton. They really seem to trust him a lot. Um, the rest of the blue line's pretty shit, so he should continue to play a ton. Um, but I mean, like he's not on the first power play. He's not be jumping be for him. He's yeah. not going to be a guy that's going to put up a lot of points, uh, like over the a long period of time. But if you're in a league that you you're looking for some some category coverage, whether it's hits, whether it's blocks, whether it's both. Um, definitely a guy that is is supremely um, underowned at that at this point. I, I'm assuming that's just because, um, you know, he's not that valuable in the that Don't count that. So, uh, but still available yeah. in a lot of leagues no, if, if you need all. some category coverage. Um, do you guys have anything really else to add on Connor Murphy? No, nah, you got it. No, it's, right. yeah, it's probably more than I ever thought. We talked about him on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, it's an accomplishment just, in its own right. Justin Schultz, twenty percent owned, two goals, four assists, six points, and his. Uh, first eight games of the season, 14 shots, 14% shooting percentage, 19% on nice shooting percentage, playing just under 19 minutes night. Uh, again, probably somebody that's not really all that valuable. Uh, he has been recently moved up to the top power play unit, but that is only because Alexander Ovechkin is out with COVID-19 protocol. Uh, they are expected to miss at least four games in protocol. Uh, it has been four games officially. So as soon as Ovechkin is back, Justin Schultz, uh, probably not very useful. So again, or love to love to. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. It's going to take a ton of minutes. Will, it will bump down a little bit uh, with Orlov back, although they they usually uh, or they might play together, so it might not affect them too too much. But the power play one, yeah. like really, all of his points have come um, since <laughs> since yeah. the COVID nineteen issue in Washington. So I don't think like you know I, I don't have any interest in them yet. Literally two goals, uh, three assists in his last three games, but. I mean, no, unless this goes any longer. Um, yeah, if it drags guys, on, fine. I mean, and if it does, if it drags, grab them for that amount of time. But the second those guys are back, get them off your roster quicker than quick. Yeah, even still, fourteen percent shooting percentage, nineteen percent on ice shooting percentage. So I think sooner than later, we're going to see him settle into that kind of point per every other game pace that we're used to seeing out of Justin Schultz. I agree. Um, somebody I actually do have some interest in though is Noah Dobson. Uh, former top 10 pick. No dubs. One goal, four assists, five points, 13 shots for 7% shooting percentage, 6.3 on a shooting percentage, 19 minutes a game. He is on the Islanders' top power play unit. Definitely a guy that I play in DraftKings a ton. Definitely a guy I have interest in in um, season long as well. He's just an outstanding young prospect. Um, you know, he's already been in the league for a lot of years. He's got his feet wet. Now he's really starting to take that next step. And he's on the top power play unit for a pretty good uh, unit that features Nick Letty, Matt Barzell, or sorry, Ryan Pulak, not Nick Letty, uh, Matt Barzell, Jordan Eberle, Anders Lee. Uh, so Noah Dobson definitely piques my interest and definitely prefer him over Connor Murphy or Justin Schultz. D, anything to add on Noah Dobson? Uh, yeah, trending in the right direction for sure. Uh, I think unless you have a lot of trouble on your fantasy blue line right now and standard leagues, you're probably not looking at Dobson just yet. Um, but Ice Time's trending in the right direction. He had five shots his last game. Um, so continues to take on and see uh, a larger role on the, on the Island. I think a very promising prospect. I think you keep your leagues, absolutely pick this guy up. Um, and then, yeah, could potentially return some value, uh, later in the year in standard leagues could be worth having. If, like I said, the, the ice time and the shot volume continues to grow, uh, certainly plausible for a defenseman that's just 21 years old. Uh, but as is, there's just too many solid options and more reliable options in standard leagues to, to recommend having him as one of your three or four starting defensemen. Yeah, absolutely. I can't really add much more onto that. I mean, we're talking about 21 year old Noah Dobson here. Um, like D said, keeper leagues start taking a run from, but for now, um, you know, nothing other than maybe a nightly. 
Uh, fellow young defenseman, uh, Ty Smith, 32% owned, one goal, five assists, six points, 12 shots on goal for 8.3 shooting percentage, 11.5 on a shooting percentage minutes, settling in just under 17 minutes a night early in his NHL career. He has recently, though, supplanted um, P.K. Subban on the top power play unit in New Jersey. Um, I, he's a much higher owned than Noah Dobson, um, but also is featured on what I would consider a probably Deservedly less so. less talented uh, power play unit. So I actually like Noah Dobson more than I like Ty Ooh. Smith. Uh, but Ty Smith, terrific um, numbers in junior. Uh, his last three seasons in junior, he had 73, 69, and 59 points for the Spokane Chiefs of the WAHL. That's crazy. W-A-H-L. That's Brian Ellis w- numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He was the 17th overall pick in 2018. Definitely a guy with a lot of upside. Very, you know, he's he's your prototypical modern day NHL defenseman, 5'11, 175. Uh, you know, he he's definitely talented, definitely outstanding. I just don't I, I would expect the Islanders to be a little bit better offensively over the course of the season um than the Devils. So I prefer Noah Dobson. Um, but Ty Smith definitely moving up to the top power play unit helps um for, for boost his value, but still not getting a lot of usage at 5v5. I was gonna say for me for Ty, just what boosts him above Dobson is just that 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 overall offensive game. It's just he is such a I don't know, he's such a threat offensively. It's absolutely crazy. Um, like you said, though, I don't love his five v five time. He's playing very protected minutes in uh, in that second unit or, or second pairing, and then uh, mostly getting all of all well getting all his a lot of his efficiency out of that pp1 time but like we said he supplanted pk suban a spot that pk suban spent 100 games almost not 100 maybe 80 games losing himself um so i think that spot smiths um for good now uh, i really like this guy um in both uh standard and keeper leagues but again mostly keeper leagues definitely fly at this guy um, but if you're long term probably dobson in a keeper league i'm if saying you're reasoning for picking up Smith over Dobson is that he had terrific OHL or WHL numbers. I mean, Noah Dobson did have 69 points in 67 games with 17 it's goals not even, in his draft years. So they're both terrific junior players and one plays more. It's not even that. It's just like the way they look too. Just like I, right. I've seen them both on their power plays. And I was going to say like Smith seems a little more to kind of control what's going on. Not to say, I don't know. I mean, I've watched like one game. For I mean, he's played not, seven games. I yeah, would agree. So I, think really... I think Smith. I think Smith looks like more of a specialist. A bit, yeah. Uh, which again, it's going to basically come down to you know, in the end, if Dobson's playing seven or eight more minutes a night as their careers, you know, kind of unfold, then uh, that's a lot of opportunity to provide a little bit more fantasy value. Um, but yeah, Ty Smith definitely seems like you know a, a really solid power play quarterback and seems to have a decent future ahead of him in this game. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree. He looks a little bit more offensive in nature, whereas Dobson's uh, probably a little bit more well-rounded defenseman, which of course could end up helping him in the end. Yeah. If um, you're in a keeper league, I'm saying Dobson first, um, Smith second, but if you're in a yeah, redraft, I think we're all on that same page. Yeah. Smith did yeah. start the uh, season with points in five straight games, which is definitely nice to see. And um, I guess the one thing that is worth pointing out uh, the last two games, uh, he has seen 20 and 19 minutes per game, almost 21 minutes, and 19 yeah. minutes. So his, his usage uh, appears to be on the up and up. He continues to see, um, you know, continues to earn the trust of the devil's coaching staff, which will, you know, he 
could bode well. And I'm not saying that I don't like Ty Smith. I, 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 I absolutely do. No, you just, I just like prefer, Noah Dobson. No, just slightly it. more. Absolutely. Um, and it's one fair. guy I didn't Stand want to bring him boy. up off the top because I've talked about him last week and nothing really has changed. Rasmus Anderson, 21% owned, five points in six games, including two goals to start the season, 13 shots on goal, just a 5% on a shooting percentage and over 21 minutes a night. Plays with Mark Giordano at even strength and is – continues to be the quarterback on the Flames top power play unit. Somebody reached out to me on Twitter after last week's episode and asked, would you rather have Rasmus Anderson or Mark Giordano right now? I said Rasmus Anderson, which just kind of shows how much I, uh, how much I think of Rasmus Anderson. Um, and it's just basically whoever's this quarterback on that top power play unit is the one that you're going to want to have in, in Calgary right now. Um, so right now it's Anderson. If it ends up being Giordano next week, then it would be Giordano. But right now it's Anderson, and it looks like it's going to continue to be Anderson. So, uh, you know, I just – what did I say? 21% owned? Yeah, he he needs to be picked up in a lot more leagues. He is an outstanding young defenseman. But, yeah. Goalies. You guys want to talk about goalies? I know, D, you love it. Um, It's it's definitely your favorite. Somebody somebody tweeted us the other day, like, they're – they had like just a question or a statement. I don't even remember what it was, but then like, they just, they, uh, they hashtag voodoo's goalies are voodoo. And I was just like, yeah, people get it. Like people are, people understand that even when we they talk are. about these guys, nobody actually knows the fuck's going on. So, um, but all right, especially in COVID times. Yeah. Let's start with Vitek Vanasek, or I think that's how you say it. Uh, he's 43% <laughs> owned. He's really taken over as the number one in Washington while Elia Samsonov is out in COVID-19 protocol. Uh, what I think is extremely interesting about Vanasek is that I think that he, you know, they were really planning on riding Ilya Samsonov uh, as a workhorse after Henrik Lundqvist opted out. Uh, but this has really given Vanasek a, a great opportunity to showcase what he can do um, and earn more playing time throughout the course of the season. And I think he's absolutely done that. Uh, he's gone 4 0 2 with a 275 goals against, 915 save percentage. Uh, thus far. So he's been just really solid for them. And uh, he's done it all, you know, while half the team has been missing. So um, I don't think he, you know, he, he's not going to be the number one guy in Washington once Samsonov comes back. Uh, But I think that he's definitely carved out uh, a much larger role for himself uh, this year. D since you love goalie so much, we'll start with you. Uh, What do you think about Vitek Vanasek? Well, I will first start by correcting you because according to hockey reference, it is pronounced Vanacek. That makes sense. So the, so there you go. The whole the last three minutes you just said they're completely useless. Now you can go ahead and burn that uh, audio footage. I yeah yeah. To me, obviously Samsonov's a guy that if there is any sort of um, you know competent uh, backup, they're they're going to look to get him more ice time than the than the usual goalie. Condensed season. Samsonov still very young, still kind of growing into uh, that number one role. So I think this is kind of a dream for them to have a viable second option in Vanacek. But certainly, as you said, Brock looks to be the case right now so yeah i think he'll be um a really solid option down the line i think when samsonov comes back he's probably not worth holding on to on a, a full-time basis maybe outside of um just a samsonov handcuff um but certainly a guy that'll be worth picking up in the spot start uh when he is between the pipes just based off what we've seen so far yeah as for spot starts go i think this is a guy where you can he's proven that you can just put him in and likely you know have a 60 70 percent chance at getting that getting a w and he's not going to kill your goals he's not going to kill your save percentage um boys one thing that does scare me quite a bit though he had a 38 game season in the ahl the year before last where he had an 888 save percentage. Um, he's had a couple of really, really rough years prior to last year, though, where he had a 917 in the AHL. So, uh, so maybe he's on the upswing, proven he can be a decent backup. But uh, for people uh, 
you know, want more than just a, a spot start backup. I don't think we have much here. Samsonov clearly the guy, but yeah, it's, it's good to see, you know, maybe Washington have, we were worried what the hell was going to be put in net um, when Samsonov was not playing with Lundqvist losing the year. So, uh, so it's good to see someone that can go in, but for me, like you guys, nothing more than just putting in uh, when he gets those spot starts, if you need the potential win. Um, the one thing I, I will, will kind of say though. just on, on Vanna checks, uh, AHL stats is we do see that with a lot of goalies, like their first couple of years in the AHL, uh, they struggle. But his is like, then, yeah, but then, you know, nine seventeen year last year was, was pretty solid and eventually figured out, I, you know, early return. Well, how many so years far, could that be? He's 26. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So he had, it's not just those, but it's like his prior, like his junior numbers are all 900, like never had, he's never had a. Yeah, like it's high nine honestly, season, which is really, you know, it's really tough uh, with lesser right. leagues to kind of um, yeah translate goalie stats. I, I think it obviously the systems and the teams they're playing behind matters a lot more um, and varies a lot more than the variance you see in the NHL. So it is tricky. Oh yeah, um, I agree that the other numbers don't look promising, but as we say so often, that's why I don't think he's a starter. Is what it is. You know, I that's why I don't I, think I would never write off Samsonov. I would never write off any goalie is all I could really say about that. Uh, the guys look good so far, but yeah, I, I would hundred percent agree that Samsonov's the guy to own. Um, but at this point he's, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of Samsonov owners have probably picked him up. He's probably worth hanging on to as a handcuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's the play. Right. And then uh, see how it Just turns see. out. Um, if Samsonov ends up running away with the job, getting 75, 80% of the games, then obviously um, you, you're not going to want to dedicate that full-time roster spot. But if it turns into anything like a 60-40 split, um, it's going to be he, pretty he, valuable. I think. Yeah, he for sure has value at that point. And I would imagine that's what the case would be. I mean, Sam Sonoff's never been a guy who's been a workhorse to this point. He's so young. I would imagine they, exactly. would, try to, they would try to lighten the load a little bit there. Um, okay, I think Thatcher Demko is about to set a record for being talked uh, a goalie that is talked about on three consecutive Daily Faceoff podcasts. So congratulations, Thatcher, for owning that. Got that. Uh, last week, we talked about him a bit in, the, in a negative light after a really rough start to the season. Comes back and then he played the Sens twice. Yeah, yeah, comes back this week in, in a much brighter light. Uh, played back to back games against the Senators. Saw like <laughs> fuck, I don't even know. I think it was like 75 80 shots and only so let in two goals 43 and yeah. one, and then 36 30, in the other. So. Yeah, so just terrific stuff against the Senators. But, um, you know, we talked about it last week and we're going to talk about it again this week. Is he he really could be the best goalie in? In Vancouver, um, they've already shown the the willingness to start him on back to not it wasn't back to back nights, but back to back games over Holpe. Uh, Holpe really seems to kind of not be the same guy that he was. It, you know, at one point in Washington, we did start to see his decline last year. So far this yeah, year, yeah, definitely he looks has, like he turned thirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so this so far this Holpe year, he did. He put on last night against Ottawa, which was hilarious because no, it's just he, like shit. I was hoping he gets shelled for Thatcher's sake. No, he, he looked good last night too, but I think what really has um, has developed here is I think we, we can clearly say that this is at the very minimum going to be almost a dead even split. I would imagine, I, I guess though, we did it's talk about like this. It we, we talked about off. this last week too, though, with other goalies, like it, it could, you know, with Tristan Jari and, and Casey DeSmith, it could turn, you know, two good starts and it's, and it's Jari's net again. And so things can change very quickly with goaltenders, but um, Demko and Holpe look like at this point, um, they're going to be kind of in a dead heat and it, it really seems to be a, a good spot for Demko considering 
Um, you know, obviously they, they had no interest in bringing Markstrom back on, on a six year deal. They bring in Holpe to kind of split time with him for the next two years and then really let him take over after that. So uh, 48% own Demko right now. I think that he is um, of the goalies. We're going to talk about probably the number one guy to grab right now. Beebs, uh, we'll go with you. Uh, if you have anything else to add on Demko, it's just, we, we've talked about him three weeks in a row here and uh, he, yeah. he looks like he's going to be in a good spot. So long as eventually Vancouver has to play a little bit better defense, right? Like they've been just so <laughs> fucking bad defensively. Yo, that's what I was going to say. You kind of got to err on caution with Thatcher. Cause yeah. Cause as we mentioned, he played Ottawa or they've played Ottawa the last three games. He's got a uh, couple games with Toronto and a couple games with Winnipeg coming up. Those are two teams that can absolutely light a goalie up and then some. So I don't know if you necessarily want to touch Thatcher for a couple of weeks, but, um, but what that is that he's going to have a couple of weeks where you can definitely, if you are looking at schedules, you can see that he does have, you know, the Ottawa games coming up other games like that and can kind of try to, to have them. But uh, I mean, that's what scares me a lot about it. I well, hate, we, we, we I talked hate about it in the preseason, right? That. Like we, we, we knew that this was going to happen. We said, we, you don't really even want to own any goal tenders in that conference i mean mm. it's going to be high scoring every single yeah, night what's an off night there isn't one yeah like, it's well, ottawa that's it, it that's the only time you get a, i was going to say ottawa i was going to say ottawa is looking especially attractive as a spot start and a team to target um from a goaltender perspective because they've really been able to up their shot volume this year without really having any uh elite or quality <laughs> finishers on their team but so they're shooting 31 shots a night uh, and you know, really the, the worst you got to worry about is maybe Evgeny Dadanov or, you know, career 10% shooter, Brady Kachuk. So I, I think it's a really nice spot for goalies Josh to be Norris. in. I, I don't, yeah, I don't think we should really, um, I think we should get used to, you know, these stat lines from goalies playing Ottawa where they're just seemingly racking up the, the saves and having a huge night. Um, because yeah, DJ Smith's done a nice job of upping their volume. The systems really seem to be taking shape. But they really just don't have the high end quality just not enough that quality. are that are going to make it a tough night. Yeah, exactly. Um, Kevin Lankinen appears to have taken over the number one job in Chicago. Um, obviously, not the most highly coveted job in fantasy, oh, yeah. but Lankinen has looked really sharp thus far. Two zero and two two eighteen goals against average nine thirty one save percentage. Two, I think, was it two or one of those games at least was against the Red Wings. So that's not saying a whole heck of a lot. Um, of the goalies we are going to talk about, he does have the best uh, goals saved above average and adjusted goals against average through these first couple weeks of the season. So take that uh, for what it's worth. But this was really kind of a job where there's three guys, they're all going to get a, 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 their chance. And Lankinen really seems to have separated himself uh, from the pack in Chicago. So, um, I think of the guys that we're going to talk about, Lankinen could end up seeing, you know, the most usage. Um, we're about to talk about Linus Allmark. I think those two are probably going to see the most starts of any of these goalies that we're going to talk about. But Chicago two of those is obviously games are against the Wings. But... Yeah, exactly. And Chicago is not going to be a team that wins a whole heck of a lot of a game uh, of games this season. So, um, you know, he, I think he is worth owning um, in, in some leagues because unlike the North division, there are some matchups in within that division that um, are are going to be relatively low scoring, and you can at least hope for a win out of him. If not, he he should help boost your your your, your splits a little bit because he's a, looks like he's pretty sharp. He he looked really good against the Predators the other night um, in a, in a shootout loss. So games like that, like the Predators, aren't a team that's going to score a whole lot of goals. Uh, there are matchups within that division where you can definitely play this guy. Do you guys have anything to to add on Kevin Lankinen? Yeah. No, I would agree. I think you're pretty spot on. Um, worth 
worth keeping an eye on because obviously the splits are, are pretty eye popping right now. But yeah, you 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 led you led with it. Not the most valuable job in uh, in fantasy to have for sure. Uh, yeah, D, you mentioned this guy uh, as a potential breakout candidate at the start of the season. Linus Allmark still only twenty eight percent owned. Uh, two and two one and two two fifty one goals against average nine fifteen save percentage so far this season. Um, I kind of forgot we were going to talk about him. He's actually the guy, and I'm, I think you guys would yeah, all I was going to say, I would He's want guy him over you, Thatcher. Yes, 100%. Yeah. I, I kind of forgot we were going to talk about him. He's the most attractive on this entire list. And there's it's, it's not just so much that he also is like the only guy that really looks like a number one starter, um, but the Sabres have been... He has been for t- two years. But the Sabres have been like super good uh, defensively so far this season, like surprisingly good defensively. Uh, they've really limited the opposition. They, you know, they struggled against the Rangers last night, but whatever, it's one game. Um, they've done a really nice job so far this season. And, and I can't believe, uh, the reason I f- forgot we were going to talk about him was because I can't believe that Olmark's only 28% on that needs to be jacked up like to 70%. He, he's a quality yeah. goaltender yeah. on a quality team. He needs to be picked up in it, like every league, a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and we keep talking about it, but you can't overlook it this year with the unique schedule and only playing uh, teams within your division. Um, obviously, that's not going to – it makes it really easy to kind of forecast goaltenders' performance or at least as easy as it could possibly be. 100%. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think there's a better division to be in than that West division with teams like, um, at least from a you know, goaltending perspective, teams like the Wild, the Kings, Ducks, Sharks, or even Coyotes we talked about don't score a lot of goals. Um, but second to that, I think certainly would be that East division – um, I, I, like I said, th- pretty much half of all Mark's games this season are going to come against the devils, the Islanders and the Rangers. So, um, that was my main reason for picking him up at, uh, or really, you know, keep an eye on him on draft day and targeting him as your, as your second or your third, or even your second goaltender. Um, just because there's going to be a lot of nights this season where, you know, he's a really good goaltender and he's going to get a really good matchup. Um, and yeah, it's more so than you could say, um, for most, uh, goaltenders this year. So I, I really like, uh, yeah, their, their schedule, playing all those easy games like you say buffalo looks like they are finally maybe turning the corner this year um and hopefully he can be uh, a big part of that so yeah there's nothing in the underlying numbers to say that uh, he shouldn't be the starting goaltender so to see him uh get the ice time and, and really show up in those cushier matchups already has, has definitely been encouraging i think yeah, the most i've important been riding part... Allmark. sorry go ahead oh. Beebs. i was gonna say i've been riding him in a couple leagues and uh for a couple of years actually. And and one thing that quickly mentioned is Buffalo is a team that was arguably almost a playoff team before this guy got injured last year and missed upward to, I believe it was a month or two and they had to ride cam Talbot or, or uh, sorry, Carter Hutton at the time, same, same shit, different toilet. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, Linus Olmark, I mean, I'll let you add on the rest here, Brock, but I'm huge. This guy, I think he should be way more home than 28%. Um, and, and it'd be a lot different if there was someone who was at, could actually take his spot behind him, but, but there's, it's a proven talent that can. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was going to say. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but like Carter Hutton is not very good. He has no competition for starts. Um, I am going to defend Cam Talbot a little bit. That is not a fair comparison. To Cam Talbot. That's my guy. Okay? Cam Talbot's my guy. He is not the same toilet as fucking Carter Hutton. <laughs> same Jesus. shit, different toilet. Jesus Christ. Like let the guy be. Um, but I just wanted to put a little bit more context into how good the Sabres have been defensively thus far this season. Uh, as of right now, they are, are giving up the second fewest uh, scoring chances against in the entire NHL at 5v5 um, and the third least high danger chances against um, right now. Uh, the one mo- very interesting thing, and I think it is a little bit more of, of, of 
you know, the fact that they played the Blue Jackets a couple times, but the Panthers, the least high danger chances again so far this season, uh, they've really taken a, a, a quality turn on the defensive end of, of the ice under Joel Quenville. But um, the Sabres have really been rock solid defensively thus far this season. And that, that is just terrific stuff for, for Linus Allmark and by far the number one yep. target on this list. And um, you guys, you know, if, if he's, if he's available and you're, you get 28% better pick him up. Um, and then just quickly, I, I don't even really expect you guys to talk too much about him, but Capo Kakinen, um, I just mentioned Cam Talbot. He's been banged up. So Kakinen has been starting quite a bit. Uh, he's gone three and two with a 240 goals against and a 917 save percentage. Uh, he has looked outstanding. He's really the goaltender of the future uh, for the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's looked, you know, he's looked every bit the part uh, through, you know, his first five starts of the season. Cam Talbot is still going to see his fair share of starts when he's healthy. Uh, but this is another similar, I think, situation to, to uh, Vanacek is like they didn't know 100% how much they were going to be able to use this guy this season. Um, you know, obviously they were, they were planning on, on using him, you know, maybe 20 starts or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, but they've really proven themselves to be a very capable NHL backups uh, through the, you know, the early portions of the season. And they've definitely earned um, a little bit more usage coming, you know, moving forward in my opinion. So um, I guess we can all agree Linus Allmark, definitely the number one option here after Linus Allmark D uh, is there, you know, who's number two for you right now? I think it would probably be Kakinen. Um Again, I, I think that him and Demko's usage could end up being pretty similar um, as the season plays on. I, again, I think Demko is going to have a really hard time uh, against teams that aren't the Ottawa Senators this season. Um, and yeah, I, I talked about how the West division is probably the best division to be in for a goaltender in terms of fantasy value this season. So even if he's playing 40% half the games, um, with the splits that he's put up so far, he looks like he's going to be worth the roster spot. So I, I would go with that Kakinen for sure. And the reason that I've, I, I've talked about Cam Talbot, uh, at the start of the year and last week is because the wild are so good defensively. Uh, so if you look at it right now to put things in perspective to what you just said, D, uh, the Wild giving up the f- fifth least scoring chances against and the second least um, high danger chances against in comparison to the uh, Vancouver Canucks who give up the second most scoring chances against and the second most high danger chances against. So uh, really leaky yeah, defensively and that's in nothing, Vancouver. Uh, it's nothing, nothing new either, right? The, the Wild, no. that's been their foundation for the last few years and the Canucks kind of found some success uh, last year with playing a more up and down style of play. So that's hardly surprising and definitely some short-term trends that we can expect to continue. hundred percent. And Beebs, number two for you, would it also be Kakinen? Uh, number two for me would have to be Kakinen. Yeah. Just because of that division that they play in. Um, yeah. And a real close Thatcher, but uh, Thatcher, you're, you're going down my list, bud. I think like, I think there is some, I think there is a case to be made about Lankinen, like just because he is going to see so much more volume. Um, mm. But there's going to be nights where, you know, he gets shelled. And uh, yeah, if I'm picking and choosing up. with Thatcher, then. But like, it, but like if, if we're talking about, if we're talking about divisions, it's, it, it's not like that division is really loaded with offensive talent either. Like yeah. obviously you don't want to play against Tampa Bay or Carolina, but those other five teams in that division, like, you know, you could plug them in against Florida and Dallas and Detroit and Columbus. Like you really could. It's just like, he's going to start, you know, 60% of the games, maybe, maybe Chicago, not Chicago. And then you're going to start them for, you know, yeah. Maybe once Lana gets there, we'll see how it is. But anyways, uh, I, that is, you know, more than enough goaltender talk for this daily faceoff podcast. Too um, much. Although, you know, boys, this was a fun episode. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I think we, I hope for the listeners, we gave you guys a, 
a real, you know, whole lot to think about when you go on the wire. There's a lot of, um, you know, pretty good options, but there's a lot of guys that are getting picked up in a lot of leagues that we don't think that necessarily should be. So uh, keep this in mind heading into, uh, you know, next week. Um, also, I mentioned it last week. It, we haven't uh, thrown it up live just yet, but we are going to have a hosts versus listeners owner's box contest next week at some point um, to sign up. It's going to be the first 13 guys that do. So go to the owner's box, sign up. If you just verify your email address, which takes no time at all, owner's box will give you five free dollars. So you're basically getting free entry into the DFO podcast hosts versus listeners league by just verifying your email. Then all you have to do is add DFO as a friend. First 13 guys that do that will be put into the contest. It's basically free. And I talked to Sandy last week. You know how much money you can win if you join that contest. Uh, you can win at every single stage. And once we figure out which date it is, so go on, sign up, verify your email, add us as a friend. Once we get all those guys, we'll be able to figure out uh, which date we're going to do it. And then me, D, and Beebs, we're going to uh, live stream the draft process, have a couple beers, enjoy ourselves a little bit. Uh, for you guys to, to, you know, if you guys are interested in watching uh, live or otherwise, come join us. But join Owner's Box, sign up, add DFO as a friend, and we'll get you involved. And we will do an Owner's Box draft next week. But for now, this has been Season 6, Episode 9 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast. I am your host, Roxy and Dylan D. Berthy, Michael Beebs Bondi. We will see you guys back here next week. Peace. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 